In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace to all on a beautiful, sunshiny Easter Sunday morning. As some of you may know, last Sunday I began a short series on Eucharistic miracles in the life of the Church. Moments, places, and times where the Lord God, who works the miracle of the real presence at every Mass, gave a particular and significant sign. Last week I talked about the Eucharistic miracle of Buenos Aires in 1996, when in a parish church in that city, during Holy Communion, someone told the priest a host had been left on the floor under the pew. He tried to preserve and dispose of it properly, and our Lord transmuted it into his actual flesh and blood. And you can listen to that sermon or look that up for the details. That was in 1996 in Buenos Aires in Argentina. I want to speak to you now about one of the oldest Eucharistic miracles called the Eucharistic miracle of Lanciano. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me. And so in Buenos Aires, someone intentionally or unintentionally had disrespected the Holy Eucharist. God worked a miracle to strengthen faith. In Lanciano, in the 700s, I feel foolish I didn't write down the exact date. I want to say 721, but don't quote me on that. That might be wrong. And remember, there's not like a structure of parishes at this time. There, the church has expanded outside of cities, and so it's basically a village church with a priest there. And the priest in that church had been having tremendous doubts and even preaching from the pulpit against the real presence, saying to his people that that was not really Jesus on the altar of the consecration. So when he went to say the Mass in this moment, he said the twofold consecration. He took the bread and said, this is my body, and did the genuflection, and then took the chalice and said, this is my blood, and did the genuflection. And as he was about to put the patent back over the top of the chalice, he noticed that something was different about the wine. Usually when you pour the wine in the chalice, it's not very deep, so you can see to the bottom of the chalice fairly easily. All of a sudden, it became very dark and thick and looked almost syrupy. And then even more to his, she was very surprised, he recorded, he looked down and the host, the big host on the main patent, had turned into a piece of flesh. Now, obviously, this caused a bit of commotion, he had the people come up, they verified it, did what every priest should do in such instances, preserved it the best that he could. Obviously, it's the 7th century, they don't have vacuums and all this kind of stuff, but he put a glass cover over the top of it that he had. Same thing with the chalice, and tried to keep it in a special place. The bishop came to that place, investigated to the best of his knowledge, and asked it to be preserved. Now, it was preserved and venerated as a miracle. That priest went on to become one of the greatest preachers of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, as you might imagine. Now, the reason why I bring it up in our own day is because of three reasons. One, it was done in an extraordinary way to strengthen faith, as happens in our own day. Number two, that happened in the 700s. You can go there now, 13 centuries later, and the flesh is still 
fleshy and the blood has dried a bit but is still bloody after 1,300 years was extraordinary all by itself. Then lastly, when modern times arrived and medical sciences came to prominence, an investigation was done. They had professors of chemistry, anatomy, and histology. You might know histology is the fancy word for looking at human tissue under a microscope. And what in these things did they discover? Number one, it is in fact real human flesh. Secondly, that it is myocardial flesh, meaning it is flesh from a heart muscle. Again, anyone who studied these things knows that it's a scientific procedure, but muscle from different parts of the body looks different microscopically. So it is heart tissue. Not only did they find that it was a heart tissue, but they discovered that there was what was called endocardium, which is the lining of the interior of your heart. Your heart muscle on the inside is lined with endocardium, so it's the, it's the heart muscle and the inside part of the heart. And lastly, they found a place of what is called a vagus nerve. A vagus nerve are the nerves that connect directly from your brain to the various parts of your muscle for function. They did a blood typing test on, of course, the blood in the chalice, which was likewise verified to be true human blood, where there were the exact same protein makeup in the blood in that chalice as there is in human blood. They tested the blood types of both of those and found them to be identical blood types, type AB. As you may know, blood type AB is the rarest blood type found amongst human beings and is the most desirable, especially for plasma and platelet donation, right? A universal donor, right? So the Eucharistic miracle, what happened? We have transubstantiation. The substance of the bread becomes the substance of the body of Christ. The substance of the wine becomes the substance of the blood of Christ. These Eucharistic miracles are what we would call transmaterialation or transmutation. The material of the bread becomes the material of flesh. The material of the wine becomes the material of blood. Now I bring these things up not only because they are fascinating and powerful in themselves, but a little reminder. In the Eucharistic miracle in Buenos Aires, half a world away and 1,200 years separated, when they examined that Eucharistic miracle, what did they find? It was human heart tissue with the endocardium, both of them come from the left ventricle of the heart. That's the part of your heart that pumps blood out, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. It pumps the blood out. Both of them are what blood type? Oh, you guessed it, type AB. Side note, the Shroud of Turin, the cloth that covered Christ in the tomb after he had been crucified and buried, which had blood on it. Guess what blood type that was? A, B. Now again, it is not simply to have data points to verify faith. It is not to say we are the material reductionist masters of God. It is to say rather that the Lord our God, who has given this great gift, shares heart to heart 
When we come to Holy Communion, we can have heart, share with heart in good Holy Communions. Yes, it can strengthen faith. Yes, it can help convince the doubtful. But above all, it can be a great sign to the faithful that it is the moment of sharing heart with heart, the drive and the need to be very good, or as the Apostle St. John said, to believe in the one he sent and love one another just as he did. That high calling of the Christ, which we can strive to answer, Lord, because he has shared heart with heart. So as we pray the Mass, let us ask Lord God to convict our faith deeply, not only in our mind, but in our heart, to make good Holy Communions. When I say those words of consecration, to know that it is the very heart of God that so loved the world, that dying he destroyed our death, and rising he restored our life. And we can commune with him heart to heart and receive the grace in the good times and the bad, in the easy and the hard, to share that same heart with all we meet. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.